Heavenly Father, we come before your throne of grace, thanking you for the gift of eternal life that we have in the Lord Jesus. And those who don't have, we pray that they may receive by your grace, by trusting in the finished work of Christ on the cross. And Lord, we pray that you speak to our hearts this morning through the life of Noah, and we thank you for the life that he lived for the legacy that he left. We praise you for his beautiful, exemplary life. Although he was a man of weakness in some areas, we can learn a lot from him and imitate him so that we would live a life of holiness and pleasing to you and fear you and walk in your ways. Pray, Lord, that you please do let your presence be with us this morning and uh, lead us by the Holy Spirit. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we commit our ears and hearts to you. Amen. I'm preaching from the life of Noah as we are in Hebrews chapter 11. So far we have seen the life of Abel and also the life of Enoch. And today we will be looking at the life of Noah. We are not looking at these lives comprehensively, but that which pertains to what the author of Hebrews is mentioning here. I would like to begin with a historical tragic incident that has happened a few decades ago. It is um, uh, a sad incident that happened in Mount St. Helens which is a volcanic peak in southwestern Washington, U.S. And uh, on May 18, 1980, there was a severe volcanic eruption in this mountain. And it has been declared, according to Wikipedia, it has been declared that this was the most disastrous volcanic eruption in the history of the United States of America. Very sad, tragic incident. As a result of it, about 57 people were killed. Hundreds of square miles were reduced to wasteland. And also causing over 100 billion in damaging the place and so many uh, people who took shelter in the surrounding place, which is equivalent to today, is more than... 3 billion. That's the great loss that the United States of America faced and thousands of animals were killed as a result of this volcanic eruption. You know what is interesting when we hear this story is that the final eruption of Mount St. Helens in May of 1980 was not a sudden event. For two months prior to the massive blast the most deadly and destructive in American history, earthquakes and volcanic activities signaled a major event was underway. Authorities had plenty of time to sound the alarm and warn those who were living nearby of the looming danger. Yet, despite the seriousness of the threat, some people chose to disregard the warnings. So 
the loss had happened not because primarily of the volcanic eruption it is because people didn't heed the warning that was given to them before this tragic event took place warnings are necessary for the safety of people warnings are necessary for the safety of people but people don't like warnings that's the disposition of mankind but there is a man when god warned him he is a great example to us about how we need to take the warnings if the warnings on human beings are so important that ignoring them would cause disastrous consequences how much more should we heed the warnings of god i would like to read from hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 now faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen for by it the people of old received their commendation and some of them we have seen who are these people of old abel and enoch and the author is showing this life so that this would encourage the hebrews who were baffling with their battling with their faiths and encouraging them to persevere and stand strong in the midst of persecution and not turn back to judaism and as he continued to encourage them to persevere in their faith he comes to noah in verse 7 shall we all read this together just one verse 7 that we will be looking into this morning by faith noah being warned by god concerning events as yet unseen in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household by this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith we see a man appearing here intentionally by the author to encourage people to persevere in their faith and when we look at this man noah i'm sure a lot of people know who this man noah is if you look at uh, if you want more information again we have to go to genesis chapter 5 and 6 because there we see a lot of information about this man and when we look at the dull genealogy presented in genesis chapter 5 noah represents the 10th generation from adam and not only that we see that there were two kinds of uh, uh, lines that we see lineage or genealogy that we see from adam one was cain who represented the ungodly generation and the other was seth who represented the godly generation and noah represents the godly line of seth and what we need to also understand is that the entire generation of cain was wiped off by the flood only the line of seth remained and we see in genesis chapter 5 verse 28 this is what is written about noah beginning from verse 28 when lamech had lived 182 years he fathered a son and called his name noah saying out of the ground that the lord has cursed this one shall bring us relief 
from our work and from the painful toil of our hands and we see there is a prophecy being made that uh, from the curse that has come because of uh, the sin of adam there is a hope here a man called noah who brings relief to mankind through his life and uh, people say that noah sounds like the hebrew word which means rest relief his name means relief what a great blessing he was in his generation and noah is profoundly known for two major events in the history of the world one for the flood and the other for the ark noah flood noah's ark are very well known and what we see when we look into his life is that every single human being today is one of noah's descendants i'm not talking from the point of romans but we can almost say that it was a second adam who gave birth to another generation because the humanity almost came to an end if not for noah he was like the second noah who gave life to humanity and uh, what is interesting is that after the noah's flood when the generation scattered all over the world in several ways in as different religions and in different places noah's stories noah's story appeared in many religions you can find in uh, islam and some of the middle eastern uh, countries and also we find that in hinduism which is very interesting very relevant and uh, in ancient sanskrit noah's name was manu and uh, which is based on the word ma means water and nu means out of the waters so uh, there were couple of manus i think i have read about 14 manus and one of them was noah also and manu was the name of the flood hero in the traditions of india he like noah is said to have built the ark in which eight people were saved which is very similar to the life of noah and the sanskrit word is jal pavan plavan pavan manu which is uh, jal plavan manu which is manu of the great deluge the great flood which is very interesting so uh, that is just i wanted to give that piece of information since we are in india and this story also appears in the ancient hindu religion there are three things that i would like to highlight from this passage one noah's disposition which speaks about his character and then noah's obedience and finally noah's reward and first thing we will look at noah's disposition what man of character he was and we are looking into his life not just to get entertained by this character we are looking into his life so that we can be convicted that we fall far away from this man and we need to become like him and imitate his faith in order for us to know this man it is good for us to understand the days of noah that the bible describes we see that in genesis chapter 6 verse 3 you see how pathetic the times were when noah lived and in that pathetic times how noah lived a 
godly life. Genesis chapter 6 verse 3, it says here that the sin was so rampant, so grievous to the heart of God that the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His days shall be 120 years. Now, a lot of people, when they read this, they think that this is the lifetime of him, uh, this is a lifespan of a man. He's not speaking about the general lifespan of a man. What he says is here the sin was so rampant in the pre flood generation that they only have 120 years countdown to come to an end. Only 120 years. So there was a time for them to repent. But people didn't repent sadly. God was patient in giving them 120 years. And we see in Genesis chapter 6 verse 5 explaining the wickedness of man that prevailed in that generation. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually only evil continually there is nothing good intention and thoughts and attitude everything was full of evil and in verse 6 it says and the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart why because God is holy righteous and just and man became so depraved that he was grieved that he made man on the earth. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the earth. The one who was the creator has become the destroyer, saying that I will wipe out all the human beings, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens. For I am sorry that I have made them. Again it is reiterated, repeated in verse 11 in the same chapter. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight. Now you need to understand that it was corrupt in God's sight. Maybe people may be thinking that we are nice and good in our own sight. Even when the Bible says there is none good in the planet earth, it doesn't mean that there is none good in the sight of men. It says in the sight of God because the standard of God's holiness is incomparably higher than the standard of man's goodness. And it was corrupt in the sight of God and the earth was filled with violence and God saw the earth and behold it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth and God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh of the earth is filled for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Just you see the 10th generation from the time of Adam, the earth was had become so corrupted that the Lord decided to wipe away how sin spread rapidly in just few generations. What we understand from here is that sin is unimaginably contagious. Sin is unimaginably contagious and the world is becoming worse and worse even today. That's the power and the potential 
of sin. And why did God want it to blot out all humanity from the earth? Because he couldn't bear, tolerate sin. And one thing we need to understand that when we look into this Noah's flood is that Noah's flood speaks highly of God's holiness and justice. That God is a God of holiness who cannot tolerate sin. And listen to this also. He did not immediately wipe them off. He gave them 120 years. And in, in, in Peter it says that he was patient for those 120 years. Now this is what is God's patience, brothers and sisters, that we need to understand. God's patience is not to ignore sin. God's patience is not for us to continue to sin. God's patience is for us to repent of our sin that we may receive his mercy and not judgment when we harden our hearts. Sadly, these people didn't heed God's word. And there is a word of hope that we see. When God decided he will wipe off the whole world, imagine the whole world. Today we wouldn't have lived if not for one person in the entire generation of 120 years. Here we see a word of hope in Genesis chapter 6 verse 8. You know what it says? If not for the word B-U-T mankind could have ended completely. Just for that word B-U-T we generally use the word but to justify our sinfulness, right? I wanted to live a holy life but my colleagues in the workplace are very corrupted. I wanted to live a holy life but you know you don't know my family situation. You don't know the weaknesses of my life. You don't know the conditions that I'm living in. We always use the word but to justify our sin and lack of living a holy life. But here we see the word but is used in an opposite sense of what we generally use. That is despite the evil that was prevailing, it is said that but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man. Blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. Hebrews 11.7 also gives a few more insight about his life. By faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen. In reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. So when you look at Genesis chapter 6 verse 8 and Hebrews chapter 11 verse 7, there are five characteristics that we see who Noah was. And we should aim to cultivate these characteristics in our own life as we are God's children. The first thing that we see here is that Noah was a man of faith. People listen to this. Without faith, you cannot begin your Christian life. Everything has to do with faith. Now when I say faith means, again I'm telling you, it is not a mere acknowledgement of the facts. 
that is the dangerous understanding people have today faith is not mere acknowledgments of the facts and live exactly opposite to what you confess that is not faith faith is something that you believe it so much that it transforms your life that it has a impact on your life and if faith has no impact on your life that is not faith it is just a mere thought so when noah was described by faith he trusted god for who he is he trusted god for what he said he was a man of faith who took god seriously and his word and if that is not us i am telling you we are not having biblical faith but our own faith and not only it says that it says here that noah was a righteous man a righteous man which means he did what is right in his generation he didn't follow the crowd he followed the lord and it also says here that he was blameless in his generation what are you talking about what generation was he blameless a generation where there were a lot of christians generation where there were a lot of churches generation where there were a lot of podcasts videos and sermons that encourage people to walk in godliness is that the generation that he lived in as we are enjoying the comforts and the benefits of christian faith today no it says that noah was blameless in a generation and the world was full of sin and evil there was no good around him in that generation he was blameless he didn't allow the culture to suck him as many of the young people and all alike allow the culture to suck in and then we say that's our culture you have no idea how our culture is you don't know the kind of situation that we are living in look at this man it was far worse i think because of which god decided to blot out and he was blameless in his generation was there any godly example for him to imitate any godly example so that he can imitate and be encouraged no godly example did he have any godly fellowship no godly fellowship we have godly examples we have godly fellowship we have so we are we are infiltrated with so many things and yet it cannot be said of us she is a righteous woman he is a blameless man or they are people of faith and you know what it said when the whole world world and the whole generation was running with the devil it is said about noah he walked with god he walked with god when the whole world was running with the devil he feared god and not only that we see that the bible says with reverent fear he constructed the ark which shows that he was a man who feared god who took god seriously who, who was not like many people today praise the lord brother or vainly talking about god ah god will do this god will provide me and when it comes to holiness there is no fear of god when it comes to miracles or healings or talking about bible knowledge lot of parroting about what god is but look at the lives of us 
Does it reflect what we truly confess of God? But it says here that he did not just take the name of God. He feared God. Brothers and sisters, maybe look at this man and not simply take the name of God. When we pray, when we talk to people, God, God, God. But life is devouring of fear. No reverence, no walking with God, no pleasing God, no righteousness, no blamelessness, no sound faith in God. There is so much of empty religion prevailing today. So much of empty chattering prevailing today. And we should be careful of such empty spirituality and be careful to obey Noah's character. And we also see the second thing as I wanted to share with you is on Noah's obedience. Noah's obedience. Now hear carefully brothers and sisters which is very important. Who you are manifests in what you do. Shall we all say this? Who, who I am manifests in what I do. It's not what you profess manifests in what you do. Are you understanding what I'm saying? It is not what you speak manifests in what you do. You can speak a lot of things. I can preach like anything. You can believe anything. You can confess anything. It's not that you manifest in your actions. What you are on the inside, who you are as a person of character manifests in your actions. The problem with us is we don't manifest what we say. We manifest who we are, which is very different. But we should be encouraged by this man who feared God, it says in verse 7. By Noah, by faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. Do you see here it says that by faith being Warned by God. Now what is a warning here? Warning is a prediction of trouble. Warning is a prediction of a catastrophe or some trouble that is about to come. And we should not take it for granted. And that is what we see when God warned Noah, he took it seriously. Now how many warnings do we find in the Bible? Do we find a lot of warnings, right? Plenty of comfort we find. Praise God for the words of comfort. Plenty of promises that we find. Praise God for that. But there are also plenty of warnings. Many of us ignore them and not take it seriously. Brothers and sisters, carefully listen to this. Today, we are living in a generation, if you talk about warnings, they say you are a legalist. God is loving and compassionate, kind. You're not talking about the love of God. Yes, God is loving. No one denies that. God is caring and compassionate. No one ignores that. Bible is very clear. And when God wants, he wants in his love. It is not that you cannot separate the warning of God from the love of God. God wants because of his love. He gave them 120 years. Which shows his love. If I was not loving, he might have immediately wiped off the entire universe. His patience is seen in the time that he gives when he wants. Now hear this carefully people. If God hadn't warned, 
नोवा वुडेंट हैव सर्वाइव्ड और द एंटायर जनरेशन व्हाई बिकॉज़ गॉड वॉन्ड ही टुक इट सीरियसली एंड ही बिल्ड द आर्क दैट्स व्हाट वी सी नोवा बीइंग वॉन्ड बाय गॉड कंसर्निंग द इवेंट्स एंड सीन ही बिल्ड द आर्क एंड इफ यू डोंट टेक केयरफुल नोट ऑफ व्हाट गॉड वांट्स अस आउट ऑफ हिज लव एंड केयर वी मे फेस catastrophic consequences maybe in very different way that the generation of noah had faced now what we see here is that in genesis chapter 6 if we just go to genesis chapter 6 how noah was obedient and which is very encouraging for us to know this when when scripture says here when warned by god concerning events as yet unseen in reverent fear he constructed an ark So God commands in Genesis chapter six we see Noah to build an ark. In today's measurement, it is very difficult when you read in those uh, terminologies. But in today's measurement, it is forty-five, four hundred and fifty feet long, seventy-five feet wide, and forty-five feet height. In that, he saved a little humanity for future protection. and we see in genesis chapter 6 verse 22 you see what it says about noah here twice it is said we don't have a single sermon of noah in fact the bible does say that he was a herald of righteousness but we don't have any sermon that he preached but one thing that is very clear the greatest sermon that he preached is this i wish it was true of me true of you true of everyone here and what is that in verse 22 noah did this he did all that god commanded him noah did all that god commanded him we see that in genesis chapter 6 verse 22 and again it is said in genesis chapter 7 verse 5 and noah did all that the lord had commanded him he didn't miss a single command he didn't say that okay lord i will obey 25% of what you say and 75% i will ignore he didn't play multiple choice obedience as we people play lord i will read your bible but i will not be humble lord i will hear the sermon but i will not put into practice it's not that i will do one thing and ignore the other he was fully obedient now hear this carefully brothers and sisters if our heart although we are not perfect if our heart is not set on complete obedience we are not obedient at all we may not be in practice completely obedient but that's what our heart is there is not a single commandment that i want to ignore i want to take god and his word seriously that's a testimony of a god fearing life so the greatest testimony brothers and sisters is not that we have good bible knowledge the greatest testimony is that do we fear god and take god seriously and uh, you know when i was studying about um, how many years it took for noah to build it i mean you, you you tell people some work any work that you do maybe one or two days they will be excited to do that but after some time they will just give up <laughs> but if you see noah's obedience it took about 55 to 75 years for noah to build the ark 55 to 75 years when they did the calculation based on the scriptural insights that we see here can you see that how patient he was 
Do you see that how obedient he was? And did he have any encouragement from people? I don't know whether he got any labor also to build the ark. And if he got the labor, maybe he had to pay some extra charge. Or maybe when people were seeing him, he building the ark on the dry land, they might have jeered, sneered, mocked, put him down saying, hey, are you a fool man? There is no rain, no flood and you're building the ark. But he didn't focus on people. He feared God. Now when the Bible says here that with reverent fear he built the ark, it means that he was attentive to every details God has given him. There was no laziness in him. No sleepiness in him. He was not sleepy when God was speaking to him. Oh, that's okay. I can, I can just heed it later. He was attentive. He was very much sober to what God is saying to us. And also at the same time we see that he took every detail seriously. He didn't ignore anything. He was so alert. That's the sign of a God-fearing life. Very hard to find such people, but we can become this like this by God's grace. And, and the Bible says that he did this all when he didn't see any of the thing that God told him. He didn't see the flood. He didn't see the completion of the ark. He didn't see the wiping off of humanity. It just says that seeing, which is Seeing in mental perception the things that God warned, he acted, acted as if he has really seen them. Now that is what faith is. Faith is the conviction of things not seen. He didn't see the flood. He didn't see the salvation coming through the ark. But he took God seriously. Every word. He was not light hearted. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you. If we are light hearted to what God says. In his word, we are not walking in the fear of God. A God-fearing life takes God and his word seriously. Now, here is my question. The Bible says that in reverent fear, he constructed the ark. If, if Noah had not constructed the ark, how do you know that he was God-fearing? Do you know? God warned him that construct the ark. God warned him and gave him the measurements. And if he had not constructed the ark, can you say that he was a God-fearing man? Can you say? Just asking. How do you know that a person is God-fearing? Can you see faith? Can you see faith? How many can see faith? Can you see faith? You cannot see faith. But how do you know that he was a man of faith? How do you know? When it is seen in action. Do you understand brothers, sisters? You may brag about faith. It is not your bragging that testifies about our faith. It is our action. It is because he had fear and because he had faith he showed that in action. What I would like to tell you is that true faith and reverence always results in obedience. True faith always results in obedience. And that's why you, you remember that what James 2 is saying that faith without works is dead. If a person says, I believe in Christ, but he is not interested in following Christ, is he really believing? No, he is a fake believer. Because true faith results in obedience. Obedience is not the cause for faith. It is faith which is the cause for obedience. Obedience. 
And that is what we see that because he had faith and fear, he was obedient. I love what Alexander McLaren, uh, more than a century ago, he was a fine expository preacher. He said that. Now hear carefully what he said. He said, if faith has any, if faith has any reality in us at all, it works. If faith has any reality in us at all, it works. Which means he's telling, it shows in your life. It shows in your action. If it has no effect, if it has no action, if it is not seen, it has no existence. And if you ask people today, do you believe, 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 believe? You know how many of us say, yes, I do, yes, I do, yes, I do. But in action, most of us is not seen. But that's what faith is. Please let us remove, let us confess honestly, Lord, I, rather than telling I fear God and I have faith in God and living the way that doesn't show that you really fear God and have faith in God, it is better to confess and say, Lord, I don't fear you. I don't have faith in you. I'm not really obedient to you. Have mercy on me. Change me. If you repent of it, it is better. Rather than making big claims and not see an ounce of it in the way that we live. And we see that Noah obeyed God at all costs. Isn't it? Bible doesn't say how much he was mocked and how people treated him. But we can imagine that against all odds, how people viewed him. And the Bible says that he was a herald of righteousness, which means that he might have proclaimed. People didn't listen to his warnings. The flood is coming. God told me to build the ark for our escape. Come. They didn't repent. They didn't care. Maybe they believed in God, I think, in their profession. Yeah, we believe in God. God may not be doing. We believe God is so loving and kind. They might have even said that. God is not a God of anger. So brothers, here is a great model of encouragement for us. And finally we see Noah's reward. Noah's character, Noah's obedience, and Noah's reward. Now this is what we need to understand, brothers and sisters. Faith always reflects in obedience. And all obedience has a reward. Are you understanding? Faith leads to obedience. And obedience reaps rewards. And disobedience reaps judgment as the Bible says. I'm telling you brothers and sisters, I don't know whether we, I don't know how we should convince ourselves. If we really take God's warning seriously in the word, our Christian life will not be like the way that we are living today. Honestly telling you that. It would be very, very different. And there is a great reward that God has given to Noah's obedience. We see in verse 7 here, By faith, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes from that comes by faith. Now you see here it says that in Genesis chapter 7 when he commanded Noah to do certain things. Let me uh, share with you how God has saved it here. In Genesis chapter 7 it says, Then the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and all your household, 
for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Was there flood when God told him go into the ark? At least was there any rain? Maybe there was bright sunshine and God, what are you talking about? Okay, you told me build the ark, I built it. Now you are telling me to go as if there is a flood that is there all around me and I should rush into. And people might be thinking what great fools you are. But still, he obeyed because it took God seriously. And I love in verse 16 when it says that, And those that entered male and female of all flesh went in as God had commanded him. And the question comes, who shut the door? And it says here, the Lord shut him in. And in Genesis 7.22 says that, Everything on the dry land whose nostrils was the breath of life died because it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. People, if you understand the total calculation, the deluge that happened in the time of Noah, you will be surprised actually. Hyderabad, if it rains for just one full day, Hyderabad, just one full day, what would happen? No one can come out of the house and there will be warning all over in the news. Don't come out of the house. It is raining heavily. One day, imagine incessant raining for 40 days and 40 nights. It says here in verse 22, everything on the dry land in whose nostrils was a breath of life died. He blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens. They were blotted out of the earth. Only Noah was left. And those who were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. When the calculation was done, 40 days, 40 nights, uh, you know, uh, rain. And the water was full. And it took time also to dry. Do you know that? It took a long time to dry. So when the calculation was done, counting the figures of the raining and waters prevailing and waters receding. You know, the entire... Duration of the flood from beginning to end lasted about 371 days. Which is more than one year of flood. Wow. And what did Noah do as a result? The Bible says that he preserved his family. He saved his sons. He saved his daughters-in-law. And he saved his wife because of his obedience. Now listen carefully brothers and sisters. As disobedience has a detrimental impact on the people around you. Obedience also has a good impact. And we see here that the reward of Noah was he saved his family. And he also preserved the animals. Now when I was thinking about the ark. I was thinking what were the only animals that were not in the ark and yet were saved. Aquatic animals, right? Maybe the fish, whale, those were the only animals I think that were not there in the ark and yet were saved. Interesting. And he preserved even you and me. We are the reward of Noah's obedience. Do you know that? He preserved the future humanity. If you are existing, you should be very thankful. If he happened to go to heaven and if you find, if, 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 if you find him there, I believe that you will definitely find him there. You, can, you should go to him and say, Thank you, Noah. Thank you for your obedience and righteousness and faith and fear. Because of you, I was born and I could receive Christ into my life and I could come into heaven. 
or else we wouldn't have been born so grateful we need to be to this man and he preserved the old hearts because of his obedience obedience always pays dividends rewards for that and the bible says that by this he condemned the world it's very strange actually how did he condemn the world now hear this carefully i put it in words so that i would not mess up when i explain that by his faith and obedience noah condemned the world that did not believe and obey god's warning he condemned the world for not believing and obeying like him that's how he condemned because god warned him and he believed it and he constructed the ark and he also gave them the warning but they didn't listen and he condemned the world by his faith and because of their unbelief and disobedience and as a result of it we also see that he became an heir of righteousness which again we see justification by faith that he became righteous by faith heir means inherited he received righteousness from god because of his faith so please brothers and sisters don't underestimate faith if there is one thing that we need to constantly pray for is lord help me to grow in faith and take your word and you seriously so that that would result in obedience and that would pay rewards for my obedience there are few things that i would like to mention before i close with regards to this noah's flood that the bible speaks about and gives some good application you know there i was i was so amazed that second peter one peter mentions thrice on noah's flood thrice it mentions giving us now i would like to bring some applications from here now what the word of god encourages us to be mindful about if you turn to 2 peter chapter 2 verse 5 it says here about god's holiness brothers and sisters this is new testament era this is after the lord jesus came died rose from the dead still it says here reminds us if you are not taking it seriously he again is mentioning to the people in the church at that time that please take it seriously don't ignore god don't ignore his word and he says here in verse 5 in 2 peter chapter 2 verse 5 if god did not spare the ancient world but preserved noah a herald of righteousness with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly in verse 9 there are other things also he speaks about he speaks about lot and didn't spare sodom and gomorrah he speaks about uh, the fallen angels and he didn't spare them he says that god didn't spare didn't spare don't take god for granted he is a god who does what he says he is a god who is what he proclaims about himself so he says that now listen carefully this is a warning to you and me this is for new testament people saying that if god did not spare this wicked generation that disregarded the warning of god slept mumbling grumbling groaning in their spiritual lethargy if god did not spare them verse 9 says that then the lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment there is a great warning and a great comfort from here the warning is that he keeps the unrighteous under punishment 
until the day of judgment now you know what is this, to whom is he speaking here false believers in the context he is not speaking to unbelievers here in almost every church even today i don't know but even in ecclesia there may be false believers and they were there even in the early church and paul and peter is warning them that there are false people in the church not in the world worldly people are unbelievers but in the church if god did not spare them if you just profess god and these people false believers believed in the word of god they claimed they claimed to be the people of god but by their actions they denied to obey him and god's word says that he will keep them under punishment in, in fact in what he's saying is that god will not spare you if you live a falsely christian life in the name of his glory and in the name of knowing his word that is what he is saying here he will not spare the god who did not spare the angels the god who did not spare sodom and gomorrah the god who did not spare the generation of noah he will not spare people i am telling you we should fear when we hear these words lord sometimes i really tell god i tell god i don't want to perish in sin i know that my salvation is secure but doesn't mean that i can just indulge in sin because of my proclamation i say lord have mercy on me i don't want to be eternally separated from you i don't want to perish in sin have mercy on me increase your fear in my heart guide me to walk according to my way according to your ways so that i would not sin against you because he who did not spare the generation of noah will never spare people who don't repent of their sin and walk in the fear of the living god so we see here that he also says that but he knows how to rescue the godly from trials if you are a person now he speaks to the new testament people who godly people at that time were those people who believed in the gospel of the lord jesus that jesus died and rose from the dead and they had a desire for obedience desire to walk in the fear of the lord and the bible is encouraging them that he knows because these people were going through persecution because of their faith and is telling that god will know god knows how to rescue you from trials and he has provided the ark of salvation which is jesus christ who took the judgment of god upon himself and he died and rose from the dead and when we look unto him we are free from the wrath of god and embrace the mercy of the lord jesus christ so i want to mention something here if anyone is here who is living a life in the bondage of sin unrighteous life wicked life not believing in the lord jesus i want to tell you that please to understand what has happened in the generation of noah is true the bible testifies it many times and the judgment is coming again which is far severe than what has happened in the past but all those who repent and believe in the lord jesus will escape from that judgment and they will be sailing in the ark of the lord jesus salvation of the lord jesus christ maybe today is a time of your salvation if you lived a nominal christian life maybe today is a time stop behaving a nominal christian name say christian empty chattering of what the bible says take god seriously and repent lord i repent of my sin i don't see that true fear and true sanctification in my life but today i give my life to you and you sanctify me o lord and help me to walk in your ways and the lord jesus himself 
Now, this is another great. Is there any greater testimony than the testimony of the Lord Jesus? He himself gives the testimony and he is encouraging believers here. He says, I'm only pointing to the scriptures that speak about the Noah's flood and how it relates to believers. Matthew 24, 37 to 39. You see here what it says. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days of Noah, before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. You know what is he speaking about here? Now, eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, is it wrong? There is nothing wrong with that. But they were living like pagans. This is what pagans and Gentiles do. Only thing they think about is eat, drink, marry, have children, have possessions and all. For them, this is life. So what, what Jesus is telling is people will be so engrossed in their usual, pleasurable, comfortable life. And then the Lord Jesus says, but on the other side, Noah was preparing the ark. He knew that the world is not going to be forever. People's life was going to pass away. On the other side, Noah was preparing the ark and preparing to see the God judgment and the Lord's day coming. On this side, we see that people were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, not paying attention to the warning of the Lord. Is telling that it is at that time they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. So you know what he's telling? These people, true people, will be waiting for the coming of the one who promised that I will come. Just as Noah took God's warning seriously and he was building the ark, waiting for the day of the Lord, brothers and sisters, if you and I claim to believe in the Lord Jesus, that he died and rose again and he said that I am coming again, are we waiting for him? Are we telling almost every day maybe or constantly or as, as much as possible, Lord, come soon, O oh Lord. We are waiting for you. The world is not our home. Are we just singing a song like that again or are we tri truly meaning it? The world is not our home. We are just passing through and I long for heaven and I long for the glorious appearance of the Savior. And the Lord Jesus said, both in the church, I'm telling there will be not only people in the world, but in the church also there will be people who are only engrossed in living a comfortable, pleasurable life without giving heed to God's judgment and God's second coming. And it is at that time when the Lord comes. Now hear this carefully, brothers and sisters. I say in the context of anyone can say believe. The Lord will not come for those who believe that he is coming soon. He is coming for those who are waiting for his appearance. If you ask everyone here, I, 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 I am sure that everyone said, do you believe Lord's coming? Yes. You are very good in raising hands, very good in professing. But do you long for the coming of the Savior? Many will struggle to say, yes, I long. I long, I long for the Savior. I am tired of sin, tired of the world. I want to get into the kingdom of God. And I want to close with this passage which again mentions about Noah's flood but there, are, but there is a great encouragement and warning. We see in 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 4. The Lord said he will come. Now see carefully what the mockers were saying and these were in the church. Okay? They will say, false people, where is the promise of the coming 
For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. Everything is normal. Everything is going as it should be. Where is the promise of his coming? Now you see, he goes back to Noah's flood. He doesn't mention Noah here, but that is what is clearly implied. Verse 5, For they deliberately overlook this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. In verse 6 you see Noah's flood mentioned here. And that by means of this, the same waters from which the earth was formed, it is through the waters, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. What generation is he speaking about? Noah's flood. Noah's generation. And now you see what he says. Now God did a, you know, a lot of people think, hey, no, flood will not come because God promised it. God is also smart. He said that I will not blot out the entire mankind by water. But he didn't say I will never wipe the mankind at all. He only said the means will not be the same. But you know what is the other means now? It says in verse 7, But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire. Noah's generation was wiped off by flood and water. Our generation will be wiped out by fire. Being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. So brothers and sisters, please take it seriously. The same God who warned Noah that I'm sending flood is warning you and me that I'm sending fire upon the whole world. Everything is going to be dissolved, melted under the fire. We don't know how it is going to happen. The Bible warns. If you and I are like Noah, we take this seriously. Lord, you are about to wipe this world by your fire and you will reverently live a life. Now, now he built the ark, right? What should I do then? Now, you may be saying that Noah, you build the ark. What should I do? This is what you should do now. This is the ark for you. You know what? In verse 11, he says, he says that since all these things are thus to be dissolved, Dissolved by fire. What sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Brothers and sisters, this is the ark that you have to build as the judgment is coming upon the world. If we believed in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, death of the Lord Jesus, we are free from the bondage of sin. He's telling that if this is what is going to happen to the world again, the ark that we have to build is that we build our lives in holiness and godliness. Now when I'm talking about holiness and godliness, it's not about outward appearance, decent, nice. It is the heart, the matter of the heart, brothers and sisters. He says that you need to build your lives like that. Lord, I want to be holy. I want to be, this is the ark that we build and wait for that. And, and as we pursue holiness and righteousness, fight against sin, fight against all evil, pride, jealousy, and everything that the Bible commands for us to live a holy life. At the same time, you know what we do? In verse 12, it says, Waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God. Now what I don't understand is hastening. You know what is hastening? You make the Lord's coming come soon. You make it to happen as soon as possible. Hastening. I think maybe in one of the ways we can do it is in we live a godly life. 
and a holy life and also in spreading the great commission and becoming more serious so that the uh, whosoever the lord has elected the gospel will reach to them and then the end may come and what is most important here is that waiting you know what is waiting do you understand what is waiting if i tell you that um um uh, I, i i if you if i invite you for lunch today and then uh, you come for lunch today and uh, i'll be going somewhere outside and uh, then you come and you call me and say hey steven where are you oh i was waiting for you uh, where are you now oh i am somewhere what do you think actually and if you are waiting for me where will you be you will be at your house waiting and when you come you will open the door hey i am waiting for you it makes sense if i forget that you are coming and go somewhere and i am telling that i am waiting for you it doesn't make any sense that's nonsense you think that this guy is a is, is, is just plays with words brothers and sisters the bible says that we are waiting for the lord as we conduct ourselves in holiness we have to be waiting work earn your living provide for your family have some positions there is nothing wrong but if you lose your heart for waiting eagerly for the coming of the lord he is not coming for you honestly i'm telling you he is coming for those who are waiting and because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn but according to his promise he says again we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells now that's where our home is that's what our destiny is that's where we dwell eternally with the lord forever and ever and that's what we need to be waiting lord i wait for the new heavens and the new earths the new creation how many can say that i'm waiting for my lord to come i'm waiting i'm waiting for me to come and enter into the kingdom of god the new heavens and the new earths if you have lost that fire if you have become lukewarm which is possible even for true believers now is the time to be awakened and come back to your senses you know what i like about the prodigal son in luke chapter 15 there is one phrase i like it and not many people will point out to you do you know what it says when he came back to his senses he thought i must return to the father and i want to provoke some of us here to come back to our senses please understand let us understand the god who wiped off noah's generation is about to wipe off with fire but praise god if we believed in the lord jesus death and the resurrection we won't face it we will be having but just confessing it is not enough if we truly believe it should it will evidence in faith it will evidence in action how holiness and godliness we perceive wait for the coming of the lord eagerly wait for the new heavens and the new earths and let us evidence it in the way we live and not merely believe it brothers and sisters i want to again plead with you let us not live such a life that tomorrow we'll be surprised where our destiny will be we may be right in the doctrine right in what we say right in some of the things but actually not serious about holiness and godliness and waiting for the lord longing for the new heavens and the new earths let us all at this time stand and say that lord i want to be found by you because i trusted in you and also pray that brothers and sisters i don't want to be a fake believer which is i don't want to just fake my 
faith in you fake my confession of doctrines fake my acknowledgement of what your word says i want to really see its effect on my life on the choices that i make on the life that i live and not love sin and ignore warnings brothers and sisters i ask you to talk to your heart talk in your heart to god open your heart and if anyone here who have not received christ as your savior and lord please do it now when the time is there when god is patient please do it for later even if you repent nothing will happen heavenly father thank you so much for your love towards us how great is your love o lord that you want us if you don't want us that doesn't speak about your love if you don't want us that doesn't speak about your holiness but we believe in the god of mercy and love of holiness and righteousness who wants us for our good who wants us that we would not perish along with the world who wants us that we would be in your kingdom and lord may we be like noah with reverent fear conduct our lives in holiness and godliness and know that this world is not our home and not set our hearts on here but long for the kingdom of god long for the appearance of our savior because we are made by you and for you and we live eternally with you in your kingdom lord you save us from all the cultural intrusions in our lives we are living in terrible times where morality is compromised where gospel is ignored where holiness and godliness are mocked at we are living in terrible times and we need you and we thank you for the word that wants us for our good please oh lord i pray that every person here would be a genuine believer would be having that reverent fear that activate their faith every day in who you are and what do you say and long for your kingdom come o lord jesus soon and take us to be with you forever and ever amen thank you for listening to the message we believe you have been greatly encouraged in your heart steven david also writes articles that are relevant to today's generation you may read them on his blog www.messageforourage.blogspot.com i repeat www.messageforourage.blogspot.com you may also email him at cstevendavid@gmail.com i repeat c s t e b h e n d a v i d @gmail.com Grace and peace be to you.